Good morning. Today we begin our exploration of the songs as we mark the first Sunday of Lent. May God open our hearts to these ancient songs to hear how they might order our lives here and now. How can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. I'm single-minded in pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs you have posted. I bank my promises in the vault of my heart, so I won't send myself bankrupt. Be blessed, God. Train me in your ways of wise living. I will transfer to my lips all the counsel that comes from your mouth. I delight far more in what you tell me about living than in gathering a pile of riches. I ponder every morsel of wisdom from you. I attentively watch how you have done it. I relish everything you have told me of life. I won't forget a word of it. I'm feeling terrible. I couldn't feel worse. Get me on my feet again. You promised, remember? When I told my story, you responded. Train me well in your deep wisdom. Help me understand these things inside and out so I can ponder your miracle wonders. My sad life dilapidated a falling down barn. Build me up again by your word. Barricade the roads that goes nowhere. Grace me with your clear revelation. I choose the true road to somewhere. I post your right signs at every curb and corner. I grasp and cling to whatever you tell me. God, don't let me down. I will run the course you lay out for me if you just show me how. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me. My whole life went on, obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. Give me an appetite for your words of wisdom and not for piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets. Invigorate me on the pilgrim way. Affirm your promises to me, promises made to all who fear you. Deflect the harsh words of my critics, but what you say is always so good. See how hungry I am for your counsel. Preserve my life through your gracious ways. What you, say, God, what you say goes, God, and stays as permanent as the heavens. Your truth never goes out of fashion. It is as relevant as the earth when the sun comes up. Your word and truth are dependable as ever. That's what you ordered. You set the earth going. If your revelation hasn't delighted me so, I would have given up when the hard time came. But I'll never forget the advice you gave me. You saved my life with those wise words. Save me, I'm all yours. I look high and low for your words of wisdom. The wicked lie in ambush to destroy me. But I'm only concerned with your plans for me. I see the limits to everything human, but the horizons can contain your commands. The wisdom of God for the people of God. Thanks. 
On Wednesday, we began the season of Lent, that 40-day period of reflection, repentance, and deepening in our relationship with God as we travel towards Holy Week and ultimately Easter. During Lent, we increase our focus on our spiritual lives, sometimes by adopting new spiritual practices or recommitting ourselves to ones that we had dropped out of, and sometimes by intentionally going without some of the regular indulgences of life, things like social media, sweets, butter, gossip. This year, our worship staff and exalting team decided to focus on the Book of Psalms as our Lenten spiritual exploration. This ancient collection of songs that run the gamut from praise to complaint to questioning to confession to commitment. Each week during Lent, you'll, we'll focus on a different topic of songs. And we invite you to join our Lenten study groups on Sundays and Tuesdays, or attend dinner church on Thursdays to go a little deeper together. We've also included some take-home questions or suggested spiritual practices each week in the end of your bulletin for your individual or for your family spiritual exploration. This week, we are exploring the type of psalm that is all about submission to God's law, which can be a slightly harsher-sounding way of saying trusting in God's teachings. We don't hear the phrase God's law in Christianity as often as our Jewish siblings might. We aren't always as comfortable with it. So it can be helpful to remember that God's law also means God's teachings, God's wisdom, or God's instructions for us. Psalm 119 that you heard Christian read is all about how God's teachings fit into our lives. The psalm, Psalm 119, is very, very, very long. So I just selected four stanzas for us to hear in our scripture reading today. The first stanza immediately poses the question of how to live a good life and just as quickly gives the answer by following the map of God's teachings. The psalmist compares their trust in God's promises to a person's unquestioning trust in a road sign, having no reason to doubt that it points anywhere other than the direction it says it does. In this stanza, we're reminded that our relationship with God is a covenant a sacred agreement of promises made between us and our Creator. Trusting our covenant with God, trusting our promises, trusting God's promises means trusting that the teachings that God has offered us, it means, excuse me, trusting the teachings that God has offered us. The psalmist also reflects that it's a lot easier to trust God's promises when we care more about our relationship with God than about amassing the earthly riches of wealth, reputation, or status. It's easier said than done, I know, but the psalmist reminds us that this is, after all, lifespan education. We never graduate from needing God's wisdom to get us through this journey on earth. The next stanza that we heard highlights another benefit of trusting God's law. I'm feeling terrible. I couldn't 
feel worse, the psalmist says. Get me on my feet again. You promised, remember? When I was in high school, I briefly attended a boarding school, and I remember that we had a rule that students in our boarding house had to shower every night. Not every morning, not afternoon, every night they had to wash our hair. They would check that your hair was wet when they made their rounds in the evenings. It felt a little arbitrary, but our housemistress explained that it gave us a habit to hold on to when things were falling apart, when you were feeling homesick. It could feel like the world was ending and we wouldn't know how we'd get through the next day, but we could use our routines and the habits we'd built to at least go through the motions of the day and get through it one day at a time. And that made sense and it worked. And we can't always think straight when we're in crisis mode, when we're in survival mode. And in those moments, we rely on the teachings that we've internalized or the training that we've practiced. For example, complete this phrase if you know it. Stop, drop, and roll. This one might be a little more niche. Run, hide, fight was the one we were looking for. It was niche, it's okay. There's other phrases like this, one day at a time, make it to midnight, be still and know that I am God. The psalmist reflection reminds us that if we take the time to learn and absorb God's teachings, they will be there for us even when it feels like nothing else is there for us. Even if those teachings take a time of dormancy in our hearts, God's promise is eternal. And the wisdom of God is still there, waiting to be called upon. I'm feeling terrible. I couldn't feel worse, the psalmist says. Get me on my feet again. You promised, remember? We also hear in the third stanza a reflection of delight. The reminder that we still need encouragement even when things are going well. Affirm me on my pilgrim journey, the psalmist says. Keep me going on this path I have laid out for you. Everything can be going well. And we still need a little encouragement sometimes. Otherwise, life can be like a game of hot and cold where someone is just telling you, cold, colder, no, that's not it. We need that reminder that, there you go, that was it, that's warmer, that's warm, you've got it, keep going. Anyone who has attended 12-step meetings can be reminded of those who still attend decades even into sobriety, that even when things are going well, we return to community, we return to our teachings, we return to God for the ongoing encouragement that affirms us on our way and helps us stay the course. The final stanza we heard today looks back at the journey traveled, reflecting on how even years later, God's wisdom and law is still relevant, still dependable, one definition I heard in seminary of a sacred text is a text that we trust to have an inexhaustible well of meaning 
and that we trust to that its meaning can apply to any situation or any stage of our lives. The psalmist affirms that God's teachings have never been exhausted of their applicability to life's journey, that regarding God's law as sacred has not been in vain for their life. There's also an important message about sin and grace in this psalm. If we believe that God's teachings are signposts, landmarks that we can rely on to reorient us when we are lost, that carries with it the acknowledgement that getting lost is sometimes going to happen, that it's expected even, and that it isn't the end of the journey, it isn't the end of the world. God's wisdom is there, marking the way back onto the true road to somewhere, as the psalmist says. We hear this again when the psalmist acknowledges that there was a moment when they were indeed close to giving up, but that God saved my life with those words. God saved my life with those words. This isn't a hyperbolic statement. Anyone who has ever had a dark night of the soul, hit rock bottom, had a come to Jesus moment, or whatever other phrases we use to describe that experience, anyone who knows that experience knows that having something or someone reach into your heart and keep it beating for you when you aren't sure how to find your way back to the life you were living or the life you are trying to live, that is a life-saving gift. God saved my life with those words, the psalmist says. We know we are all in need of grace. We are all in need of a signpost sometimes. We sin so easily, probably every day, sometimes in big, impactful ways, and sometimes ways we don't even notice or know about. And there's God with the signposts. I picture sometimes like those sandwich boards or the big arrows that people stand on the corner with, point your way to the car dealership. But there's God with the signposts, showing us how to get back on track. The fact that those signposts are even there the fact that God teaches us how to reorient ourselves back into right relationship, it means that God knows that we'll need that help at some point. That God expects us to mess up sometimes because that's part of life. It shows us that even if we cause great harm or act in service of greed or power or hatred, it still isn't the end of our relationship with God. And that, as the psalmist says, is something to delight in. That last stanza concluded with, I see the limits to everything human, but the horizons cannot contain God's commands. God's love, God's forgiveness, God's untiring invitation to relationship can feel unfathomable, unbelievable, even exasperating. After all, it's not unheard of to feel resentment or anger when we see 
other sinners, or the bad guys, being welcomed back into relationship with God. It can feel unfathomable. We see the limits to everything human, but the horizons cannot contain God's law. This kind of trust and relationship goes deeper than even our Bible, even a text inspired by God and written by humans. This is more than a buy one, a one-way ticket to a new city kind of adventure. This is more along the lines of a, I can't think about time as the fourth dimension too much or my brain hurts kind of trust. So don't think about it too much. Don't try and see the whole journey at once. Just look for the nearest signpost and then trust that the next one will be further down the road, right when you need it, pointing you on the way to go. Over the course of Lent, we'll be talking a lot about how the Psalms can be an entryway for our spiritual lives. How we can use the Psalms as signposts to help us navigate this human existence. And this happens on both an individual and collective level. Most of the psalms you'll read or hear are written from an individual's standpoint. And yet it's important not to let the focus on our individual prayer lives overshadow the importance and weight of our collective spiritual life, of how we exist in a spiritual community together. American culture and American Christianity especially put such emphasis on individual piety. And yet throughout our sacred texts, we hear God the Creator, Christ and Spirit continually drawing us back toward community. It would follow then that we can trust the Psalms can inform our collective life as much as our spiritual individual life. What does it look like when a community uses God's teachings as a basis for their practices and trusts, really trusts, in the covenants they've made with one another? Well, we see healthy conflict navigation, marked by direct communication instead of anonymous some people are sayings or feedback that's shared with everyone but the person it's about. We see decisions made by open voting rather than a secret ballot. Discussions where the truth is spoken in love and where missteps are met with an accountability that calls people further into community rather than calling them out. We see committee, excuse me, and governance structures where board or council members covenant to listen to the congregation make recommendations in good faith, and present their recommendations earnestly and openly and transparently to the congregation for discussion and approval. In United Parish Church family, we can see so much of this in action right now with the work that is going on within this congregation to help us discern what our unique current purpose is in the community so that we can best leverage our building and property to support that cause, that purpose. A team was formed, as many of you know, within the United Parish community to shape 
and facilitate the congregation-wide process of listening, gathering stories and data, analyzing and interpreting information, and putting to words the purpose that the congregation as a whole has discerned. Now, if that's not an expression of covenantal relationship, I don't know what is. And not only that, but then this group will turn back to the congregation and say, here is United Parish's God-given purpose as you all have made clear you discern it. And here's how we think our building might best support that purpose. And then the whole congregation will get to reflect, discuss, and vote how to move forward as we prepare for a capital campaign. Good work, church. This is, this is the stuff. Look at how much trust you are showing one another. Look at the way that these relationships are supporting the important work of the beloved community and the way that we are relying on our covenants trusting that they will keep us on the path of serving God and serving neighbor. Look at the signposts that you are planting for communities to come. Oh, I'll guard with my life what you've revealed to me, the psalmist says. Guard it now, guard it ever. And I'll stride freely through wide, open spaces as I look for your truth and your wisdom. And then I'll tell the world what I find. Speak out boldly in public, unembarrassed. I cherish your commandments. Oh, how I love them. I relish every fragment of your counsel. May it be so. Amen.